We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back into the Force to Punt podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. I am Steven Serta, joined as always by Dusty Likens. Yeah. It makes it, <laughs> hard, it makes it hard for people to understand what your name is when we both say it at the same time. Uh, it's on the uh, it's on the old page. They, they probably still don't know what your name is. You think if they put both of our pictures up there with no names, they'd know who you were and who I was? I think they'd know who I was. That's what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> yeah, I nailed that. Uh, Threw I him a softball it. and he crushed it 440 <laughs> feet. They wouldn't know you. They uh, definitely know I me. Need at least the uh, <laughs> at least the sad 2,000 people that follow me on Twitter would know who I am. Oh man, I'm only at 920. I am. <laughs> I don't know why they follow me, but they do. They enjoy they enjoy something that I do. I would have to imagine, or they just hate themselves. Like I hate myself sometimes. Okay, this started off good. Um, <laughs> so uh, here we are, forced to punt. New news out today, right? And new uh, new oh. expectations on people that you probably drafted pretty high in fantasy drafts this yeah, year. Yeah. So real quick before we get into it, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, into the podcast, but. Uh, some big news for Chiefs fans. Tyree Kill and Damian Williams did return to practice today, yep. uh, at least in a limited capacity. In, in Andy Reid's press conference when he was asked uh, about both of them, he said that they were just going to do what they could. I would still imagine that Tyree Kill's another week away. Damian Williams is a little bit tougher to call. Uh, but Damian, when he was asked about Damian Williams, which he was completely overlooked in all of this because yeah. everybody's just excited Tyree Kill's coming back. When Andy Reid was asked about Damian Williams, uh, he just said he's going to do whatever he's capable of doing. Didn't seem super thrilled about Damian Williams. Yeah, that just seems being like involved uh... again. Like it's like it's like a like at this point he's just an inconvenience for me and my offense. It's already rolling. Yep. His um, uh, his original son has come back home in Lashawn McCoy, and he's not turning away from McCoy. And Damian Williams was already yeah. on his. Uh, what do you want to call it? His bad, his bad guy list in preseason when he was mad that he couldn't stick out of practice. So yeah, and yeah, yeah he was he already kind of voiced some displeasure with that uh, for a guy who struggled to stay healthy his entire career. I'm not banking on Damian Williams just coming back in and taking over as the receiving running back in this offense, like because that seemed like it was going to be his role based on how it was looking early on in the season. Like, and he that that's his strength, right? He's not a between the tackles runner type of guy he's not the most shifty guy in the world but he is a good route running and receiving running back yep. so I imagine that he would have a role doing that except that Daryl Williams has just been really good at that sure and I I mean why why just ruin it when Daryl Williams has been really effective the last two games doing that I would just keep giving it to Daryl Williams as long as he can stay on the field why mess it up him and LaShawn McCoy have a good thing going right now and Damian Williams has squandered yet another opportunity to be a consistent contributor. In short and to the point, but if Andy Reid has something that he likes, he's not going to try to mess with it or try to fix it. 
Like that's just first fifteen. No, that's okay. You cut me off when you're introducing each other, too, so it's fine. <laughs> it's off to a good I start. I was trying to introduce you. <laughs> I know. I did that on purpose. And you cut me off. Yep. That's how I roll. So, I'm ready to bury Juju. Yep. So Smith-Schuster. I feel bad for people, though, because he was... Like, his season's his season's not over, but it's, it's, over. It, it's basically over from a fantasy standpoint, as far as I'm concerned, because... He's and, and I, I'm, that's not to say he's not going to have another fantasy relevant game the rest of the season because he probably will. But for me, him being a weekly starter in my lineup, him being a guy that most people were taking as a fringe first round player, like he was being in twelve team leagues, he was taking like as he was being taken as the twelfth pick in a lot of these drafts, or like that guy at the turn, like you know thirteen or fourteen. In your draft, and that's how a lot of people were taking him because you assumed he was going to have this, you know, 165 targets this season, Ugh. you know, have potential to do what he did last season where he was incredible on uh, as the slot receiver to Antonio Brown. And even before Ben got hurt, he didn't look like he was quite that. Granted, week one was a, a really tough matchup against the New England Patriots, but I just don't see how this is getting better. Mason Rudolph's not a good quarterback. Like no. Mason, Mason Rudolph, everybody on Twitter was I, – I thought it was weird and people got mad at me because I was making fun of it because the call on Monday Night Football when he hit Deontay Johnson, who I told you guys to pick up, he's probably he, – at this point he might have more value than Juju. I He hit Deontay Johnson for I think a 39-yard touchdown on Monday Night Football. Terrible and, throw. Uh, what's his face? Joe Tessitore was just yeah. like – Oh, a dime by by Rudolph. And where he had to stop his round jump. Yeah, it was not a dime at all. It was a terrible ball. It was underthrown to the wrong shoulder, too. Yeah, like Mason Rudolph cannot drive the ball downfield. Like, that's why that was in his first game, he only had two passes that traveled more than, like, 15 yards. This game, same thing. He had two passes that traveled more than 15 yards. Now, now... Two of those four touchdown passes, or two of those four passes, have been touchdowns to Deontay Johnson. Yeah, that's his guy. So that's cool. If you picked him up, you like that. You're excited about that. But Juju's just not getting the volume now. He's not getting the volume because everything that they did against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's got a terrible defense. They're not going to be able to produce like this every week. I'm wor- I'm really worried about James Conner. I would trade James Conner right now based off of that because James Conner just had one of the better games he's going to have this season, in my opinion. Juju, I don't think you can even trade now. Like, because that's everything Mason Rudolph was doing in that game. He was just dumping off to running backs. He was just, th- it was three yards within the line of scrimmage. Three yards, three yards, three yards. And then twice a game, you get a play action where he actually looks upfield and tries to get the ball up the field. Yeah, I think I think Deontay Johnson had at least six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown, which he had basically all of it on that one just terrible throw that was just completely overblown. But I do think that if you're going to do anything right now and you got to bail on Juju or James Conner, um, you have to look at like the matchups too. That was an 0-3 versus an 0-3 Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin's great on Monday Night Football for some reason. And they were just able to just destroy Cincinnati because Cincinnati is a dumpster fire. Andy Dalton's career is slowly but surely coming to an end. And when it comes to Juju, I... Ben Roethlisberger being hurt was the final straw for me because 
New England just completely smothered him. He was going to get smothered everywhere else. And again, this is the first year Juju's been the number one receiver in an offense. He's always been the second fiddle to one of the best to do it in Antonio Brown. And now he was put on the stage. It's not working out for him. And like you said, Mason Rudolph, uh, Deontay Johnson for me is a guy that's fine to roster, but he's a guy that you play during the bye weeks when they get heavy for your team because a lot of teams will. You'll get two or three guys out on a bye, and he's a guy you can plug in that maybe survives one week. But I wouldn't consistently play Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not consistently playing any member of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And that's that's why, yeah, their defense has actually looked quite a bit better the last couple of weeks. It looked terrible the first two weeks of the season. Since they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, who's already been heavily utilized in the defense, their defense has looked a lot better. Granted, Cincinnati's just a bad football team. So you can't read that much into the performance of the defense in that game and the performance of the offense. The Steelers are also a bad football team right now. And as much as it sucks, Juju is an incredible player. I think Juju still has a bright future in the NFL. I just think that Juju's going to have a very bad season this year because of circumstance. And that sucks for a guy that was going really high in drafts. I avoided him in a lot of drafts, and it was just because I didn't see the value in taking him as high as he was going. Because last year I had him on a bunch of teams, but he had a ton of value because he was going in like the sixth round compared to the first round. Yeah, so far this year to end this Juju conversation, he has 17 receptions for 258 yards and one touchdown. He's averaging 64.5 yards per game, and um, yeah, that's not good. And in fantasy football, he's basically averaging, that's not in fantasy football, in yards per game, he's averaging 64.5 yards. So it's time to bail on your guy, Juju. And that one touchdown was a long one. It was a broken play. Yeah, it was was something where he used his ability, which is why he's still going to have a week here and there, because he's still a really, really talented player, but it was a play where... His quarterback didn't put him in a situation to, to to extend the play. He created it himself because he's really shifty and because he's really fast, he can break away. Uh, but yeah, I'm ready to bury, move on from Juicer, from Juju Smith Juicer. That's a not, tough one, not Juicer. Maybe that's what we should call him though. Uh, but James Conner is going to be a guy that I think is going to be really frustrating for fantasy owners too. Uh, maybe. He gave you a glimmer of hope against the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night, but again, they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I don't think that you're going to be re- be able to rely on that uh, performance from James Conner week in, week out. And Jalen Samuels was super involved in the offense because yeah. like Conner was great, but Jalen Samuels got a touchdown. He was super involved in the offense. He was super involved in the passing game. They were running wildcat packages with him. Like... Jalen Samuels is going to continue to get more work in this offense. And James Conner's banged up. This is the second time in a couple Always. of weeks that he's had to leave a game because he was banged up. He wound up coming back in and was still good. But this is going to continue to be an issue. This is why, like, James Conner, I like him as a talented player. I love his story. He's been through tons of adversity to get to where he is in the NFL. But I kept saying this last season. Like, you can't just replace Le'Veon Bell and assume that you're just so good at drafting running backs that everybody that you replace him with is better than the guy that you had, who was one of the five best running backs in the NFL for a long time, who has been one of the most productive dual-threat running backs in the league in the past several years. Like, James Conner's just not that. He's a talented player who's going to produce. He's just not that, and that's why I was refusing to draft him as that this season. 
Like I think right now is the time that you try to trade him immediately. Yeah, I'm a big trade guy. I mean, I'm a big advocate for uh, trades. I think they're the best thing you could possibly do to make your team swing around from one side to the other. Um, if you're especially like if you had James Conner that you picked in the first round, which I think some people might have because he did have a decently good uh, first eight games last year. I want to say he had a pretty decent first half of the season last year. A lot of people knew he was going to be the bell cow in that offense. But I think even though you saw that uh, atrocious game against Cincinnati, Samuel seems to be the guy. That's where the spark is. That's where it seems like they're going to move the ball. He seems to be the pass-catching running back as well, and Pittsburgh's going to be behind a lot of times. So I do like the uh, eagerness to trade people, and I think that if you can sucker somebody in and pair James Conner with somebody else, like maybe like a second, like a wide receiver three or something like that, or a flex guy with Conner, you might be able to do that and kind of flip your fantasy side around. I don't think that... Yeah, and let me make this clear. I don't think that Jalen Samuels is going to take his job or no, anything but like that. he's going to get the more productive touches. But he's going, yeah, he's going to get an opportunity to be involved in the passing game every week, I think, moving forward. Yeah. Especially because their offense just looked better with both of them being utilized that way because they don't have a quarterback who can stretch the field like Ben does. They don't have a quarterback who can, who can extend plays like Ben does because Mason Rudolph just flat out can't drive the ball downfield. Like, he just doesn't have an NFL caliber arm. And so they're going to continue to do things to try to take advantage of the things that he can do, which is dump off to running back. So I, they're both going to be in play, but you're going to get more value for James Conner. I am willing to move James Conner right now. If I can move James Conner for a Todd Gurley, I mm. think I would do that. Um, because he still I, scores every well, game. Well, and I understand that – So. And that might sound crazy to some people because Todd Gurley has been a disappointment, but you shouldn't have drafted Todd Gurley like he was a top five running back this year anyways. You Days should have drafted him like he was kind of a fringe RB1, but like rock solid RB2. And now, in my opinion, he is a fringe RB2, probably a flex RB3 for me because... I think that brighter days are ahead for Todd Gurley if you believe that they are just trying to rest him and slow him down to save him for, you know, down the stretch in the season. Um, that's possible. Uh, but one thing that is concerning about this, too, is that it's not just Todd Gurley. The Rams' offensive line right now is ranked 32nd in the NFL. That's not good. They lost their starting center, who was a stud last year. They they let him walk in free agency. And Andrew Whitworth, who's one of the best tackles in the game, is also like 37 years old, and he's finally starting to show how old he is. He just looks slow. He looks banged up. He looks like he can't keep up with these guys that are just coming off the edge that are just way too fast and way too explosive for him at this point in his career. And their offensive line is falling apart. Like That's why I... Look out, Sha- Sha- Shaq Barrett, who's on a one-year, $3 million deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, nine sacks, has baby. nine sacks this yeah, season. Baby, give it to and him. he was a disruptive force in that game last week. Like yeah. This is going to continue to be a problem for the Rams, but the reason I still have faith in Gurley is because I still have faith in Sean McVay. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade like James Conner. I have less faith in James Conner than I have in Todd Gurley because of the coaching situation and because the talent for the Rams – is still a Super Bowl caliber roster. Right. That, that's not the case for Pittsburgh, right? So I would rather have Todd Gurley on my team than James Conner right now. I, and if I could get if I could get Todd Gurley for James Conner straight up, I would make that deal in a heartbeat 
because I would want Todd Gurley to be my running back two or my flex every week. I wouldn't do it if I wouldn't do it if James Conner is my running back one. If my running backs are so bad that that's the top running back that I have on my roster, because I don't want Todd Gurley to be the top running back that I have on my roster. Yeah, I like Todd Gurley in the flex. I don't like him at all as a running back position because Todd Gurley. Now last game's week or last week's game was kind of an anomaly when it comes to running the ball. Now he tied with. Uh, he was there with Malcolm Brown when it comes to carries. Each had five each, but Todd Gurley had seven receptions and 54 yards. He somehow found the end zone twice, so it's just, it's apparent that he's their guy inside the five, um, but he's also going to be their guy when they're trailing, and like Steven Serta just mentioned, that offensive line is atrocious. Uh, Jared Goff's going to have to check down a lot because he doesn't have also, I don't believe he has a NFL caliber arm to throw it deep. I think some people would disagree with that, but I don't like Jared Goff trying to chuck it uh, down the field. Uh, when they're kind of down by a lot of points like they were against the Tampa Bay Bucks, So I like Todd Gurley as a flex. I like Todd Gurley as a trade option because there's some guys that are going to be so pissed because I think they did do what Serta said that you shouldn't do, and that is draft him as hoping that he'd be a running back one or two because that's not what he is anymore. I don't think that's what he'll be all year. I think he is a good flex play, though, because you shouldn't try to get every week 20 points out of your flex like you should out of an RB1 or maybe an RB2. Yeah. And Todd Gurley's clearly going to be targeted because Goff's going to check down a lot when he's got, like you said, Shaq in his face or some guy like that. And they play the Seahawks this week. And the Seahawks have a good pressure defense. They know how to scheme against you. So here's a good week to really look at Todd Gurley trying to do what he's going to do as a flex. Yeah, I mean, Gurley's still got three touchdowns on the season. The the problem is going into Sunday, he had six targets for eight yards on the season where he was so effective in the past was in the receiving game. Right. He did have seven catches for 11 targets and 54 yards, but they completely abandoned the running game. Now, I don't think they're going to do that, but their offensive line so bad, we might see game circumstances where they wind up just abandoning the running game more often because they don't have a choice. Like, Jared Goff, did you realize Jared Goff threw 68 passes in that game? I knew he threw for a ton. Jared Goff almost threw 70 passes in an NFL game. How many and complete? And he, he completed yeah. 45. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he still completed 66% of his passes for 517 yards, but it was only for 7.6 yards per attempt, and he threw three interceptions. So, like, you better get to 500 yards when you almost throw 70 passes, yeah. and that's not going to happen every single week. Like, obviously, I don't know, but I would have to imagine – that's the most passing attempts in an NFL game in a really, really long time, if maybe not ever. I, w- I feel like I would know about it if it was a record, but it's got to be, it's got to be up there. It's got to be close to the Im- most amount of passing attempts in a single game. It's certainly in modern uh, NFL history. But let- let's talk about that Thursday night game for a second. Um, you know, Thursday night's always a tough decision whether or not you want to risk starting those guys because it can really ruin your week before it even gets started if you make the wrong call. Um, By the way, Drew Bledsoe threw it 70 times in a game once, and Vinny Testaverde, your boy, threw it 69 times once in a game, and Jared Goff, (laughs) 68, is tied for third with four other guys. Yes. Three other guys. But, yeah, so that's up there. That's, yeah, anomaly of a performance. So there is some interesting storylines headed into this Thursday night football game. Obviously, we just talked about Todd Gurley, talked about Goff. Um, you like Carson Thursday? You know, well, no, but let, let's let's focus on the Rams a little bit more, and then we'll get back <laughs> to the Seahawks and Chris Carson. Um, the Seahawks defense has been a little bit better than I think people thought 
it was going to be Jadavian Clowney has helped. He had a big play last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a pick six, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was pretty it's nasty. Sick. It was yeah. pretty nasty. Um, but I I don't want to I don't want to rely on the Rams wide receivers in this game. Outside of Cooper Cup, who you know Cooper Cup, in my opinion, is a top five fantasy wide receiver this season. I think he is the most talented wide receiver that they have, and he is just a badass. I, I love Cooper Cup. He is a weekly starter in your lineup without question. Now is Brandon Cooks and or Robert Woods. Are those guys weekly starters in your fantasy lineup? Todd Gurley, obviously going to be a flex because Todd Gurley's going to have the touchdown upside every week. He's going to get the carries inside the goal line. Um, so Todd Gurley's going to be that guy for me each and every week. But then as far as Cooks and... and uh, Woods go, I'm questioning them a little bit. I, I'm a little bit weary of them in this particular matchup. I know Woods is coming off the good game, uh, and Cooks was okay. But Jared Goff's home road splits are a real thing. Like, Jared Goff has been terrible on the road compared to what he's done at home. He's averaging straight up 170 yards less per game on the road than he is at home. No, I think that's just what because of him and Ta- and Sean McVay do that whole communication system down to fifteen or ten seconds, whatever is, and on the road you just can't hear it, and that's basically why he's terrible. Or is just the offensive uh, line is worse on the road. I think the off, I mean, the offensive line's worse, but this is going back to last season when they had one of the better offensive lines in the NFL, right? Like it's, it's just a, it's just a real thing with him. Like it, it's one of those kind of unexplainable things. Yeah, I think the communication thing on the road is much more difficult than at home. I think that plays into it because Jared Goff genuinely needs Sean McVay to diagnose defenses for him on the field, and we've seen that over and over again. They've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's also just one of those weird things, like Big Ben for – and really it hasn't been true for Big Ben the last couple of years – uh, but granted, that was with Juju ascending and Le'Veon for a season in AB. Right. Uh, so I think that that helped a lot. Um, but Big Ben there for like four years, five years, you couldn't start him in fantasy on the road. Yeah, he's he so just much he was just as likely to throw. He would go out, go for one seventy five, one touchdown, and three picks. Like every time he played on the road, and then he'd go home, he'd throw for three fifty and four touchdowns. Like Jared Goff is getting into that territory. So I'm a little scared of playing Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods in this game. Seahawks, yeah, their defense has been a lot better than I think people thought it was going to be because they lost a bunch of pass rushing talent. Their secondary was definitely questionable. And I'm not saying you can't pass on them, but being at home, weather's supposed to be kind of shoddy. I don't trust Jared Goff in this game whatsoever, and so I'm scared to mess with anybody besides Gurley or, or Cup to be completely honest. Just with the Rams? Yes. You don't like Everett, your boy at tight end? No, they don't use their tight ends. That guy's not going to get looks at all. No, I'm with you. There's nothing else for me to add, I believe, with you and the Rams players as well. Yeah, like that's... Gerald Everett's not going to get any looks whatsoever. There's no point in wasting your time on Gerald Everett. But Chris Carson did actually have a pretty there good we game go. last week. Yeah. So... I don't believe that there's much to read into that particularly good game. Uh, it was against the Arizona Cardinals, one of the absolute worst defenses in the NFL. Um, so I don't really trust that. 
Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and try to try to convince you that he's turning the corner because he has been absolutely brutal pr- prior to last week. And I, and I don't trust that I can buy into that performance all that much. Uh, but the Rams have been pretty bad against the run so far this year. Now they're they've been they've been bottom twelve in the NFL, and so I think that there there's going to be an opportunity for them to run here. And so and odds are you probably don't have a lot of running backs that are better on your roster that you can start. You know maybe you went out you got a Wayne Gallman last week and he had a good game, but it was against Washington, who we know is terrible. They're playing Minnesota this week. Like I don't I don't want to play Wayne Gallman against the Vikings this no. week. Do you get scared by ProSize? Because he stole a touchdown from Carson last week and had some carries as well, but I don't know like how no. just with like the handcuff running backs. No, we've done this with ProSize for years. For right? years. Yeah. yeah. Like year and this is the, the first system. time he's healthy, and I think that he's a talented player. The fact that the Seahawks have held on to that dude for right. this long with all the injuries is insane. Like I, I, but I guess they did the same thing with Christine Michael forever. So I think they just fall in love with guys and they like to hang on to them, especially when they're cheap. Once they, once right. they want money and once they start getting expensive, then they'll they'll say peace. But the matchup that I'm most concerned with in this game with the Seattle Seahawks and the and the Los Angeles Rams is what Disley can do against. Do you think I just I know that you're not real high on Will Disley. I know you you like him, but you don't you don't like him like I do. I might have a little bit bit of bias towards him. But I feel like he's been Russell Wilson's number one target when it comes to the passing game. And I feel like in this divisional matchup on a short night in Seattle, I believe it is, right? Is that what we were just talking about? Yeah. I just feel like Will Disley's a must play if you haven't tied in in your league. Um, I think moving forward, he should be played and slotted in every single roster moving forward. Yeah. Well, he should definitely be rostered in every single league. Yeah, I mean, he's a... He's a top ten tight end right now. Yeah, he's been. I think he's a top five. Well, but where his numbers are, he's a top ten. Tight sure. End. Yeah. 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 Uh, for sure. I'm for not, sure. I'm. I will not put him as a top five tight. Because we have Travis Kelsey, Evan but, Ingram. And there's three better uh, tight ends. Zach Ertz, yep. George Kittle, and then who's your fifth? Mark Andrews. Okay, that's fair. So he's sixth. Um, but no, he's going to continue to get the opportunity there. They traded away Nick Vanette. Like mm-hmm. they. they He's not going to lose. He's not going to lose snaps to Luke Wilson, who they signed to replace Nick Vanette. Luke Wilson wasn't even on a roster. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's in play. I think he's a weekly player for you uh, because, especially because tight ends just not very deep right now. There's just not that many good tight ends. Like those five tight ends that I named are the only tight ends that you're probably saying week in, week out. That guy is definitely in my lineup. The rest of it is probably matchups, and True. the rest of it is you just trying to figure out what the best matchups are. That being said, I don't have the Rams tight end numbers pulled up in front of me. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm not really sure how they are, how that defense has been against tight ends. I know OJ Howard didn't do anything against them last week in a game where they exploded offensively, but OJ Howard's just been brutal. OJ Howard belongs on your bench and, Tell further notice, you should not be playing O.J. Howard weekly at all right now. No, the only bucks you should be playing weekly is Godwin and Evans. But I will say this. I mean, it says here on ESPN's uh, Fantasy Football app that Will Disley is going up against the 10th-ranked defense according to tight end play. So it's also all a right. short – Thursday games are weird yeah. too, man. I, like, I mean, I'd still I'd still play him just because he's getting so many red zone looks from Russell Wilson. Um, Tyler Lockett has to be in your lineup. Russell Wilson has to be in your lineup even what's – you know, I I don't put that much stock in these rainy dreary games because 
These guys are professionals. They know how to handle that stuff. It's Seattle, uh, too. They Tyler Lockett. Yeah, and Tyler Lockett's still getting a ton of volume. Like He is yeah. getting a ton of looks every week from Russell Wilson, so I still like Tyler Lockett a ton in this game, especially after what the Rams gave up last week. Like I, I don't expect – I think the Rams' defense is better than that. Uh, I think that was just one of those weeks where the – where Tampa Bay, where Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich just had it clicking yeah. perfectly. And, and it just so happened to work out, and it just so happened to be against the Rams. Like, I think that that was just a really good matchup for them. And that on that week, the Bucks were just going to put up points, like, no matter who they really played. And one of their touchdowns was, what, a, a fumble recovery from uh, Sue for a touchdown? So there's seven points. And then also the uh, the Rams got a pick six from Winston, so a little bit of that's like kind of skewed in the numbers. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think weather should. We always kind of joke you and I about weather shouldn't be an issue no matter what type of matchup it is. And I don't think rain, if it is supposed to be mid sixties, and I mean that's Seattle's weather, man. Yeah. That's just that's how they play football. Well, it's it's their team. I mean, I I like Seattle more in this game. I think uh, the Rams have a culture shock so far. But again, Thursday night games are weird. They can be high scoring, or they can be like that Sunday night game was in New Orleans and Dallas, and can just be a flop. Yeah, and you know Tyler Lockett's coming off of a down game. DK Metcalf had a bad game, but they just weren't throwing the ball that much in that game. Like that was that was supposed to be a Russell Wilson ball out game, mm-hmm. and the Seahawks were just like, "Yeah, we know we're better than the Arizona Cardinals, so we're going to use this game to get Chris Carson right and try to get his head back into the game." Works. And that's just what they did. Like Tyler Lockett only had four targets, but he got four catches for fifty-one yards. DK Metcalf only had one catch for six yards in that game. But the two weeks prior to that, Tyler Lockett had 14 targets and 12 targets. Jeez. Had caught 10 balls and 11 balls like in back-to-back weeks. So Tyler Lockett's getting all of the volume basically from Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf is getting uh like, you know, 6 7 targets a game. He's getting an opportunity. Uh but basically I saw a route tree of every route that DK Metcalf had run this season on Nerd. Twitter. It's literally all they're doing is sending him straight downfield. Yeah. Because that that was the knock on him coming out of college was that dude straight up can't run routes. And so the Seahawks were just like, yeah, we know he can't run routes, but we can work on him with that. For, yeah. But for right now, we're just going to try to use his speed and his size yep. and get him up the field and hope that that keeps him healthy too because he's not getting banged around as much trying to run routes to the sidelines and crossing patterns and stuff like that. We're just going to send him straight down the field and hope Russell can hit him in stride for a touchdown. Sometimes fantasy football is as advertised. DK Metcalf without a shirt on surprised everybody with how big he was, and then he ran that 40 and cried, and everybody realized how fast he was. What's he do? Run down the field, hope for the Hail Mary, and catch it. So I'm not playing DK Metcalf this week, but I am getting Tyler Lockett in my lineup. I would get uh, Will Disley in my lineup. I would still play Russell Wilson. I do think you playing Gurley as a flex. Uh, yeah, I would. Yep. Yeah, I would. I uh, Gurley and Cup are the only Rams that I would play this week. No Cooks. No, I'm yep. not starting any of those guys. Um, uh, but I do think that the Rams defense will look a little bit different tomorrow. I I, I don't think that they're going to go out and get and Big 99 get give up 50 like they did against the Bucks. I think they're more talented than that, and I think that Wade Phillips will get them right. Um, let's get to a couple more things here before we get uh, more into our Chiefs Colts breakdown for. There's a lot of fantasy implications in that game this week. Um So I've been kind of I've been paying attention to the Patriots backfield a lot. I generally avoid Patriots running backs, but I did wind up with in some leagues a couple of them just based on value. 
Sonny Michelle's been absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Rex Burkhead looked like he was starting to carve out a significant role for himself, and then he hurt his foot. Uh, barely got any touches last mm-hmm. week. Uh, James White That's was active, um, and now you know Damian Harris was a rookie guy, but he's been active virtually every game mm-hmm. uh, except for the one that James White missed. Uh, and James White didn't miss it because of injury. He missed it because of the birth of a child. I don't want any of them. I don't want anything to do with any of them. Like James White and PPR, I guess, because he's going to get all the reception work. Yeah. But I don't want anything to do with any of them. And I think this Patriots offense is still fine, despite you know a quiet week last week against one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Buffalo Bills. I just, I just don't want anything to do with them. I, I don't want the headache of it every week, of hoping that it's not like the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs, these wide receivers, at least – you're taking a risk of that guy giving me 30 points or that guy giving me three points. Like with the Patriots, it's in these running backs, it's you're taking a risk of that guy giving me one point or that guy giving me like eight points. Like there's no there's no value in taking a chance on the risk because even if he gets you eight points, that's not a reliable week-to-week eight points. Like That's one thing. Like if you got a wide receiver or something, they can get you eight points every week. You're pretty happy with that. With these running backs, it could be zero points just as easily as it could be eight points, and that eight points might only become becoming because they get like a qu- a short little touchdown or something like that, which you obviously can't rely on every week. I don't want anything to do with any of them. No, I'm with you. I agree on that. I think if you have to play one or you want to stick with one, it's James White and your flex just because he's played three out of four weeks and he's gone 13-2, 11.9, and 13-8. That's in full-point PPR. But if you look at why he had 13 points last week against Buffalo, it's because they actually played a tough game where they couldn't run the ball against a pretty stellar defense in Buffalo. I won't get Steven Serta horny on that because that's his team. But the Patriots are going to be in the lead most of the games they play, which means they're not going to throw the ball to James White. He's not going to rush the ball because he's literally, you can count on one hand or two hands how many times he's ran the ball this year. It's eight. He's only ran the ball eight times. You said earlier, Sonny Michelle has not been great. I just, I'm with you. I don't think the headache's there. I think that if you have James White and you're in a 12 team deep league and you could play him at a flex and he's a better option at flex than a Chris Thompson, but that's basically what James White is. He's Chris Thompson from Washington, but they're going to use Chris Thompson more because Washington's always going to be playing from behind. I'm with you. I just don't think that you need to necessarily worry about the headache that is New England's uh, pass catching running backs or running backs in general. I really love that comparison. I'd rather have James White than Chris Thompson. I would like to make that clear. I'm, you can have that all you want. I'm just saying, James, Tom, Chris Thompson, and James White are basically averaging the same amount of points in the first out of three out of four games. Yeah, but I mean, but one is a better offense. Like I would rather have the player in the better offense than have Chris Thompson. Correct. But my narrative there is just saying that they're going to use Chris Thompson more, and they're probably going to use James White. Okay. Yeah, I, I just think I think James White. If you have to have one, I think James White is the one that you want. Agree. Uh, but I don't want any of them no. right now because. I just don't think there's any weekly upside in in risking playing any of them. By the way, are you still high on Josh Gordon? Which that's not a pun. Uh yes. I feel like it's I don't know. I just feel like it's been a disappointing I, he's year. For still, yeah, it's been yeah, but the Patriots offense, like you know, that that one, their ske- their schedule doesn't get harder for a long time. 
Like they're yeah. they're gonna they're gonna be eight nine eight or nine and zero before sure. they play like a genuinely tough game. But it hasn't been hard right now, and Gordon only had that first week against Pittsburgh, and ever since yeah, then it's just kind of been. But blue. then week two, it was week two. It was the Antonio Brown show. Sure. They were force feeding Antonio Brown still the put entire up 43 game. Forty three points against Miami, and he didn't have anything. Yeah, but he was he still got a bunch of targets that game. Mm-hmm. And then week three was against the Jets. And uh, no James White. Julian Edelman got hurt. James White got hurt. They got up big and they just started running the football. And Gordon did kind of get he hurt. He got, in that game he, too. yeah, he got yeah. hurt. He got a finger injury in that game and had to leave the game for a little bit. And so after that, once they got up big, they took all their starters out in that right, game. Yeah, like Tom Brady, I'm pretty sure, left that game early. Mm-hmm. And then, a pick and then, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because Jamal Adams, by the way, yeah. the Jets defense, which is not good, no, it's like the. Th- Third, second or third highest scoring fantasy defense because they've got three touchdowns on yeah, the season. Right. And two of them, I think, were in that game. Yeah. But it was to Todd Brady's backup. Right. So don't don't go pick up the Jets defense. It's false. It's a false narrative. They're not very it's good. Pyrite. But and then last week he got a bunch of volume uh, and he broke free for like one uh you know thirty something yard catch. But again, the Bills are the best pass defense in the NFL. And Tommy D and Tommy like, B and, threw four picks. And actually, like the Patriots probably have the best defense in the NFL. Right. The best pass defense in the NFL. But if that's the case, then the Bills have the second best pass defense in the NFL. Yeah. So it was just an incredibly tough matchup where and the Patriots have these games too, where it's that's why they are like such a chameleon. Like they could just adapt to their surroundings because they could go out with the Chiefs and put up, you know, 45, 50 points if they need to. Or they can do this with the Buffalo Bills where the, pass, the passing defenses are both so incredible. They know all we got to do is put up 16 and we can keep you from scoring 16. Believe it. And that's what they'll do. Like, that's just, that's just what the Patriots do. Like, I still have a lot of faith in Josh Gordon. I still think he's going to be productive. And, you know, barring them making another move or another play on a wide receiver, which I just don't see after the Antonio Brown thing, uh, you know, unless AJ Green becomes available to them from you the don't Bengals. like that smoke with Stefan Diggs. I don't buy into it at all. I think AJ Green's a popular play. I just think that's like one of those cliches, like oh, the Patriots will go get him. I, I don't. I was just interested in what you thought about Josh Gordon because I knew him in that. Patriots system on a clean record was finally something that we were all looking forward yeah. to. And I feel like we've just been oh. majorly disappointed with it. No, I think he'll be fine. But uh, we have been disappointed with I it. Still, I mean, if you want to bench Josh Gordon, bench Josh Gordon. I totally understand benching Josh yeah. Gordon. I still think he's going to be okay. The Diggs thing I don't buy at all. Um, the Vikings still consider themselves a contending team. Oh, good luck with that. You don't, start tra- you don't start trading players when you still consider yourselves a contender. I don't believe they're a contender. But their defense is still good enough to win them games. Their running attack is still good enough to win them games. Like they're still the the Vikings are still a fringe playoff team. Yeah. Like they could easily still go ten and six, nine and seven and make Sneak the postseason. In. They're not gonna do anything in the postseason, but no. they could still easily make the playoffs. They're still a contending team. You don't start unloading players if you believe you're a contending team. Okay. We gotta burn through these really quick and then we will get to our local Chiefs breakdown. Uh, Austin Eckler. I'm still playing Austin Eckler until further notice. We talked about this the other day. Uh, people are a little worried about him. Melvin Gordon's supposed to be back. Melvin Gordon, it's going to take him some time to get in the game shape. I think it's going to be a legitimate split this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, 
Dontrell Inman got put on IR today. Uh, Mike Williams is hurt. Travis Benjamin is hurt. Uh, literally, uh, they're on their fourth tight end of the season because Hunter Henry is hurt. So literally, it's Keenan Allen and two people you've never heard of at wide receiver for the Chargers right now. Austin Eckler's going to get volume in that passing game until they get healthy, yeah. uh, until they get right. So like Austin Eckler, even moving past this week, I think Austin Eckler is a weekly person who's still in my lineup because because he's done all of his damage in the passing game anyways. Correct. It, it, like He's been okay running the football, but he hasn't been anything special running the football. All the significant damage he's done so far in fantasy football has been as a receiver out of the backfield. Which is where all the points are, is the point PPR, and then you get the uh, the yardage and the catch and the touchdown. So I'm with, I'm with you. Keep him in a flex. I thought about trading uh, Austin Eckler. Hold him on. Let him be your flex and let him be basically a third receiver because... I don't know. I think feel Melvin Gordon's better in the backfield running the ball than he is going out for a pass, and plus they're just out of options. Our top games of the week. You really like the Bucks and the Saints. I hate this game. I do, man. I just I really think I mean you've got Bridgewater and Jameis Win- and Jameis Winston. Um, I'm really high on Godwin now. I think he's just a must play. He's now ranked uh wide receiver three in ESPN. I think Mike Evans is still trying to like I just I like conflict on that on who's trying to be their number one wide receiver. I think Jameis Winston. I know I could get burned for this. I think that he finally understands Bruce's system uh, with Leftwich. I know that last game was a obscurity of a game. It was absurd when it came to scoring points. But I just think that this is a game that screams the over, screams a ton of passing yards. And I think that when you look at the guys on this team, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Um, I'm not sure like who's going to get the heavy uh, dosage in the backfield when it comes to Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones Jr., but I like this game a lot. I think there's a lot of points. This game just screams to me one of those like 42 to 38 type games where it's just a heavy, rich fantasy game. I think you think I'm wrong, but that's fine. I just think it's a rich fantasy game when it comes to the type of players that are going to be involved in this matchup. Even the Saints are going to score 42 points with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if they're going to be the one that scored 42, but I think they could score 35. I think Kamara could go off. I think that Michael Thomas could have a big game. They've got to figure out how to move the ball with Teddy Bridgewater because against Dallas, they just said, we're going to stop Zeke Elliott and make Dak beat us, and that's exactly what they did. Um, but, yeah, I think Teddy can move the ball. I think he's. I don't think he can honestly score 40 points, but I think they could have a couple defensive stops. I think New Orleans' defense is better than people give it credit for. And I just think this could be a high, both teams trying to challenge the other team in fantasy football this year when it comes to the options on the rosters. Yeah. I mean, this game's over-under is only 47 points. New Orleans is favored by three, and that's really just because they're at home. And the reason they are only favored by three, they would be favored by more if they had Drew Brees. And it's in a dome. Is because Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback. Now, I understand that the Saints just beat Dallas, and they looked really good. Their defense looked good. Teddy Great. didn't do much. No. But... That's what you're going to get weekly out of Teddy. And this is, I think this is a sucker game. Okay. Because this is that game that sucks you in. You saw the Bucks just unload, go off. Every wide receiver was productive. Jameis slinging touchdown passes. Saints defense looks like it's top notch again. Alvin Kamara had a good game. Like, this is just a sucker game written all over, and it's a divisional matchup, so these teams know each other. I hate divisional matchups. I always try to avoid them where I can, barring a superstar caliber player that I have in the game. Like, like I'm still going to play Mike Evans, still going to play Chris Godwin, still going to play Michael Thomas, still going to play Alvin Kamara, but I am not loading up on this game by any means. Like, I I just – this is a – 
this is a game that on paper you think, yeah, it could be an explosive game, and then it could be 20-17, to 17, where nobody really puts up that many points, nobody really has that productive of a day, and the leading scorer in the game is the guy who has one touchdown for 67 yards. I think that's what Thursday night's game is. I don't know if that's what this game is. Um, but maybe this game's a lot like that Baltimore-Cleveland game. That was supposed to be a low-scoring affair and a division matchup that wasn't supposed to be great, and you saw what that game did. I really love the Atlanta Falcons at the Houston Texans. I like it. I think that's a game where you have the two best receivers in the game that are finally due for a big breakout game. Both defensive backs on both sides of the teams uh, aren't that great. Atlanta isn't great. Now, you said uh, you reminded me yesterday they picked up the safety um, in yeah. free agency or trade. They they traded for a safety with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's correct. No, that's correct. Yep, no, that's correct. And then you have Hopkins and Julio. Um, you have your boy Carlos Hyde. You have uh, Matt Ryan, who I think is a good play this week. And I also like, uh, I like what's his face? I like Deshaun Watson, who's poised to play better, I guess. But, I mean, you look at the you look at the action in this game. I'm with you. I think this is a good game. It's obviously going to be in a dome. Both teams play in a yeah. dome no matter what. Um, Hopkins, Julio. Oh. I like Sano in this game as well. I'm not sure about uh, Will Fuller. I'm ready for him to, like, break over the top, which we talked about uh, on the last episode. But I'm with you. I like this game a lot. So, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't had more than 70 receiving yards since week one. He hasn't, he hasn't scored since week one. Uh, Julio Jones had a bad game last week, but the entire uh, both of these teams yeah. coming off just horrendous games, to be completely honest. Atlanta was super disappointing last week. Houston was super disappointing last week. Uh, they both really underperformed. Uh, so this is a get-right game for both of these teams, and both of these offenses are much better than what they showed last week. I love both. I love both sides of the ball. Yeah, I love Julio. I like Calvin Ridley a lot in this mm. game. Calvin Ridley's coming off had a good game uh, in Week One, but he's had two. He's had three straight pretty terrible games since then. Uh, he's really been struggling, and he he's really starting to establish himself. As just a boomer bus player, and this game's only a point and a half and, favorite, or point and a half more on the line than the than the Bucks in New Orleans. Game. Yeah, and so okay, Calvin Ridley did he scored touchdown week one, uh, had 105 and a touchdown week two, hasn't done anything the last two weeks. So he's starting to establish himself as kind of a boomer bus player. I love him, Austin Hooper. By the way, big guy, quietly having himself. A top ten fantasy tight end season. Yeah, he's balling. Uh, he's been he's been uh, really good so far, and he's been one of Matt Ryan's favorite targets so far this season. So Austin Hooper, I think, is in your lineup. Uh, I don't trust their running game at all. I don't trust Devontae Freeman, but I love Matt Ryan. I love Julio Jones. I love Calvin Ridley. I love Austin Hooper. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is a flyer. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not going out to pick up Mohamed Sanu and put him in my lineup. But this is that type of game where. Both these teams really need it, and both these teams have to show up to play, and both these teams have to find a way to score, especially with how just disgusting they were last week. Uh, Kenny Stills is dealing with a hamstring injury. Don't know if he's going to be available for this game, uh, but I love Will Fuller in this game. There he is. I love Will Fuller in this game. Atlanta, since Atlanta <laughs> lost Keanu Neal, without Keanu Neal, Atlanta is giving up some of the most deep yards in the NFL in the passing game. I think Will Fuller who is top five in the NFL in air yards. It just hasn't actually connected yet. He's still getting the deep looks. They just haven't hit so far this season. That's going to happen sometimes. The, the efficiency between him and Deshaun Watson was inevitably going to slow down. 
but I think it can get back on track in this game. I love Will Fuller in this game. He's going to be one of my most popular plays. And I think Kiki's going to be involved in this game because Kenny Stills is going to be out. Kiki's going to have to get more snaps. Uh, Kenny Stills was genuinely eating into Kiki's snaps. Like mm-hmm. Kiki was a preseason sleeper, got hurt in training camp. Kenny Stills came in and found rapport with Deshaun Watson right away. If he's not in this game, I think Kiki can be involved in your lineup. Um, I still don't want anything to do with the Houston running game. Uh, I'm just never going to trust Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson. But I think those just those passing attacks on both sides, I think, are a reason why this should be one of the most popular games of the week. Yeah, it'll be a fun one to watch. Local Chiefs Breakdown. So there's a lot of fantasy implications for this game on Sunday night against the Colts. Uh, it is kind of a pain in the ass that it's on Sunday night wow. uh, because there's some questionable players in this game, and, they, and they're guys that are going to be key to your lineups in all likelihood. True. And you might have to take a chance and just say that, that guy, I'm going to put this guy on my bench because I don't want to risk losing if he doesn't go and I don't have anybody else going on Monday night. If you don't have uh, – it's the Browns and the – Niners. Yes, Browns and Niners. So you might have some significant players in that in that football game. But if you don't, you and you've be. got a Marlon Mack. Yep. Uh, Marlon Mack, so one of the most popular ads this week is going to be Neheim Hines, who is the pass-catching back for the Indianapolis Colts because Marlon Mack is dealing with some type of ankle injury. We didn't really get an update today other than he just didn't practice. Uh, still waiting to see if we can get some type of injury update on him. Hopefully we will. But... He said after the game that he was going to be good to go. Mm-hmm. He did not practice today, but he got injured a couple weeks back and missed a couple of days of practice and then practiced Friday before that game and then went an entire week without an injury designation before he got hurt last week against the Raiders. So we're hoping Marlon Mack is going to be good because this is an incredible matchup for him. Neheim Hines is going to be the popular ad, and I'm going against the popular opinion here. I would rather have Jordan Wilkins this week. I think Jordan will, and that might not be the case moving forward, but I think Jordan Wilkins is the guy to have at least this week against the Chiefs because everybody's, oh, Chiefs can't stop running backs. That's been true, but that hasn't been true for pass-catching running backs. The Chiefs have actually been pretty good so far this season at not allowing running backs to catch a lot of passes and not giving up a lot of yards to opposing running backs. They haven't given up more than like 50 yards uh, in the receiving game to the running back position. So if you just think that this is this is going to be a blowout and they're going to pass a ton, like, yeah, Himes is going to get more volume, but the Chiefs have been pretty good at stopping that. Like, I would bank more on Jordan Wilkins getting the rushing opportunities, getting the early down work, at least early in the game, and then hopefully him finding the end zone. Yeah, and my only issue with that is to take this in the first four weeks of the NFL. The Chiefs haven't really played against a team that has a really good pass-catching running back. Week one was the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that was Leonard Fournette. Week two was the Raiders with Jones, and he just ran all over them. Week three, you have Mark Ingram, who doesn't really go out, and Gus Edwards I don't think was even around the team at that point, or maybe he was, and I just didn't see him. And then week four last week was Kieran Johnson and uh, the rookie backup, the other Johnson in Detroit. Kieran Johnson doesn't really go out and catch balls. At least I thought he was going to. I was really wrong on that again this year. I thought he'd be more of a pass-catching running back, but he only caught two passes. Because the teams know that they're going to beat the Chiefs via the run. So I don't know which way is which. 
Um, I do expect the Chiefs to be up big in this game, so I think there will be a lot of opportunity for checkdown passes where they just take away the outsides and deep corners. But uh, Neheim Hines, I don't know. I think that's the popular one to pick up. But I'm like you. I picked up the other dude because I know the Chiefs give up a lot of running yards, uh, not a lot of pass-catching yards. Yeah, I would I would rather have Jordan Wilkins where a vast majority of people are trying to pick up Neheim Hines in their, in their leagues right now. If your waiver orders don't go through until – uh, you know, Thursday morning, uh, which we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, it'll be posted on Thursday. But, you know, if you get up Thursday morning and everybody put in a move on Neheim Hines and Jordan Wilkins is still available on your waiver wire, I would go pick up Jordan Wilkins. And stay attention with Marlon Mack because, like you said, he's going to play and it's not till Sunday night. It's a high ankle sprain. He he played basically the whole game until the fourth quarter when he came out. Yeah. Um, but T.Y. Hilton... Uh, also didn't practice. Also has a quad injury, I believe. He did not practice today. He sat out last week. He left the game early the week before. He was already dealing with an injury prior to that. He played through it, mm-hmm. got hurt in the game. Now he's hurt again. Um, If he does not play, if he does play, T.Y. Hilton needs to be in your lineup. Hopefully we get a little bit more clarity on him uh, before the weekend. But if we don't... I'm going to assume that he's not playing, and I am not playing another Colts player besides Marlon Mack or Jordan Wilkins in this game unless I have Eric Ebron because Jack Doyle probably going to be out in this one as well. Thanks, Vontez. You're not even going to play Jacoby Brissett in this one? Because Vontez, perfect. Uh, no, I mean, I just think that there's better quarterback options out there. Like, last week was a tough week where there was viable quarterback streaming options. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett, I think, is a weekly viable quarterback streaming option. I just would rather go with my normal starter in most of these matchups this week. Well, let's than, say that you have Stafford. Stream Jacoby Brissett. Let's say you have Stafford on a bye. Would you play Brissett over Winston? Or would you play Winston over Brissett? I think I would play Brissett there, actually. Yeah. Because I don't trust Jameis, obviously. Oh uh, yeah, and I, I, I just don't trust I don't trust that game like like we just talked about. Right. Like, I I don't trust that game at all. Do you have any concern that if T.Y. does play that Bashad Breeland tries to uh, smother him and just like patrol only T.Y.? Because he's been pretty good in that role. I don't know if he tried to do that in Detroit against anybody with, that they had in Galladay or in Marvin Jones because those guys still had. But I feel like they were attacking Charvarius Ward. I don't think Charvarius Ward would be put up on T.Y. Hilton. I just wonder if like the covering of Bashad Breeland taking one guy has any worrisome in, in, your, in your game there with a sore quad. No. No. I I just don't I don't want any of their pass catchers because I don't think that they're talented outside of Ty Hilton. Like I like Paris Campbell a lot, yeah. but he's a rookie and he was the, he was the popular ad last week and he did absolutely nothing. Right, like he's just he's a rookie right now. He he looks like a rookie. He is a guy who's going to flash every now and then, but he looks like a guy who's not ready to be playing consistently at the NFL level. Um. I like Eric Ebron. He caught a touchdown last week. He got a lot of targets, and the Chiefs are giving up the most tight end receptions of any team in the NFL. There you go. Uh, I you like the Arizona Cardinals? You have to start tight ends against the Chiefs. So I love Eric Ebron in this matchup, and he's all they got. And yeah. So other than that, I don't want anything to do with any other Colts in this football game. Uh, Tyree Kill, Damian Williams, as we mentioned already, did return to practice. Uh, I don't read too much into that and I don't think you should either. Uh I don't think either one of them's going to play this week and I and the Chiefs really I mean the offense has been good enough. Like the offense is still good. It's still explosive. 
just going to get better when they have both of them available. There's absolutely no reason for them to rush them back uh, because I, I just don't see a, a scenario where the Chiefs lose to the Colts on Sunday night football. It's so, two and a half favorites already. I think, well, the Colts, the Colts do have, uh, they've been pretty bad against the uh, opposing running game. Their pass defense is actually okay. Um, their run defense is struggling because Darius Leonard's missed a bunch of games, and they're really banged up in the secondary too, so their pass defense is taking a hit because they lost Malik Hooker for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, their corners are a little bit banged up too. They have been for the last couple of weeks, so I just, you know, you deploy all your Chiefs. Like, you, you just do it. I know last week that burned people, but... It burned everybody. Again, again that's... It's not like the it's not like the Patriots situation with their running back by committee. It's not like the Eagles situation with their running back by committee. Like, yeah, this is wide receiver by committee, except for Travis Kelsey. <laughs> but that upside is three points or twenty five points. Right. Like I'm willing to take a gamble on that upside because you're not going to find that value anywhere else in the NFL. Right. And and this is a perfect matchup for them to bounce back and to just, you know, get a a 25-point win against a team that's really hurt and that is inferior anyway. Agree with it all. Top off player of the week. That's right. My guy this week, uh, the top it off player of the week, I think is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. I'm just really afraid. I'm actually going to play against DeAndre Hopkins in my season-long fantasy squad here, but I think this is the week that everybody gets to calm down. Like Steven Surtis said earlier in this podcast, he hasn't done anything since week one. He's playing against an Atlanta team that is garbage. This Atlanta team has just literally fired everyone on their coaching staff except Dan Quinn. This game is the game that gets Dan Quinn fired. I believe it. I don't know if he gets fired midseason, but DeAndre Hopkins, huge game. Also, if I had a backup plan, Julio Jones, also a huge game. You can't keep the best receiver in football quiet for long. Eventually, he's going to say something to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's going to get back on that level. DeAndre Hopkins is my huge player this week. I like Will Fuller. God. All right. I zig, you zag. I I told you I love Will Fuller this week. He's still you know, one of the one of the top five wide receivers of the NFL in terms of air yards. He just hasn't connected yet. That's going to happen sooner or later when you keep getting them. He's still getting targets from Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson said in his press conference, like, I, you know, I'm just not hitting him. Like, yep. he, he missed him on a wide-open touchdown last week. Deshaun Watson's going to hit those passes sooner or later. I love Will Fuller this week. I think he's going to get back in the end zone. But I love DeAndre Hopkins, too. I like them both. I can't, I can't be upset with either of those picks to be completely honest um thank you guys for listening please download the radio.com app and make sure you subscribe to force to punt uh please download this because we we enjoy doing this for you every week we enjoy talking to you guys about fantasy football uh and as always you can hear me every sunday morning at 9 a.m on 610 sports radio must be nice fantasy football sunday we'll catch up with you next week see you highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's gonna go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.